up, everyone? It's John and Travis here for another intro to a fantastic episode of Elbows Type Podcast. John, how was that? I thought it was really good. I thought that was phenomenal. I did not expect the interview to go like as in depth and intellectual into the ideas of jujitsu. It is. We really talk a lot about belts in this podcast. Thinking about it now, we talk a lot about like promoting in jujitsu and also kind of like the mindset behind jujitsu, right? Yeah, what the, you know, as far as uh, what exactly, you know, he looks for as far as promotions and, you know, things like that. I thought it was really well. I thought he went really in-depth on his answers, and I liked it. You know, it gives you a lot to think about. Yeah, he, he kind of joked about it and was like, oh, man, I, I kind of give long-winded answers. And, and I was like, this is great. No, I'm sure people at home are going to love this. It was a really, really in-depth with uh all of his stuff oh. no it was it was really good i i enjoyed it his name is uh thomas rosinski he is a third degree black belt and i don't know who he's under who he got his third degree under but he's a third degree black belt forgot to ask that he started actually under carlson senior in chicago which is a super interesting aspect of his story uh be, right obviously because that's that's back like an old school jiu-jitsu yes. straight like Over 20 years ago I think, 20 right? years yeah. ago um and then he got his blue belt under Carlson actually too, which is which is super interesting. And I think I think anyone white to blue, maybe even early purple, will really get a lot out of this. We don't go too much in technique or, you know, theory of jujitsu, but more along the lines of like relatability and how to get people through the tough times at the early stages to keep them training you know that's really what this a lot of this episode is about and it was good man it was really good his story is interesting his answers are are great uh i definitely think everyone's going to have a lot to to gain from this especially his students you better listen up yeah right his students (laughs) (laughs) so you're welcome (laughs) but john what's our beverage of the day today uh we got screwball peanut butter whiskey let me see if i can put that up there for you screwball delicious delicious really good peanut like I thought it was going to be more of a peanut butter taste, but honestly, it's not. It's perfect. Yeah. The first glass was a little sweet. Yeah, I was like, oh, I don't know about this. And I was like, hey, can you pass the bottle again? Yeah. What's what's the, the details on it, John? Oh, let's see. Are there details? I don't know. It's literally on the label at the bottom. No, it is not. It's a, what are you talking about? Oh, <laughs> 70 proof. Yep. 35% alcohol by volume. Yeah. Delicious. It's great. Probably, really smooth. Probably why he butchers our name, at, you know, when he starts the podcast. You guys will hear it. That's going to get edited out. <laughs> no, no, leave it in there. Leave it in there. <laughs> why you keep hiding behind your mic? Not hard, dude. What are you like, talking about? John's like, uh, this is. I don't want to talk right what, now. What? What? <laughs> well, you know, it used to be is like you got to put your mouth right on yeah, the mic. Yeah. Now so we're I'm, trying to now, switch you know, things. Now we're trying to switch things around. All right. It's never happy. <laughs> Always trying to improve, but. Hey, guys, if you guys want to follow uh, Thomas, everything's going to be down in the description below of the podcast notes or YouTube page. So follow him. Listen to his podcast, Roll Radio. Uh, him and his buddy Gary are both black belts, and they do a great podcast. I've listened to a couple of episodes already. Also, he puts instructionals out on Roll Academy's YouTube page and his academy's Roll Academy. And it's he's everywhere. So if you guys want to follow him, that stuff's there. Also, housekeeping notes for us, elbowstight.com elbows type pod on instagram and everything like that and also probably the most important part we have patches now if you guys want a patch we will send you a patch 100 free of charge all we ask for you is if you send us one of yours if you want to buy them let me know i'll send you uh they're going to be 12 dollars uh, a patch 
you know. But if you want one for free, just send us a patch, and I will have our P.O. box down in the description also if you want to send us, or you can hit us up on Instagram, and I'll give you the P.O. box so you guys can send us your academy. The ultimate goal is I want to have a bunch of uh, pa- uh, patches behind us from all the people around the world that listen to this podcast. So once again, if you guys want a free patch, just go ahead and just mail us one. If you want to pay for one, even better, um, and we'll, we'll, we'll send it to you that way too. So, But without any further ado... Thank you guys so much, and hopefully you enjoy this episode. We'll catch you later. Peace. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Elbows Tight Podcast. It's your host, Elbows what? Did you say Pike? <laughs> Elbows Tight Podcast. It's your host, Travis and John. It's I'm, I, Maybe I'm already feeling this drink of the day for us. <laughs> Uh, how you doing today, John? I'm good. How you doing? I, I'm doing fantastic. We have a very special guest today. We have a third degree black belt, Thomas Rinzinski. How you doing today, today, man? I'm doing great. I'm doing. Thanks for having me. It's going to be a last blast to have a conversation with you guys. Yeah, absolutely. I'm super super excited to do this. Uh, since we had so much time in between when we were able to do the podcast, did a little bit of research. John was able to do a little bit of research on you and. Uh, Hopefully we can make it worth your while on your time. Well, so hopefully you're thanks, for, find thanks for joining us. Because that would be <laughs> just, just a fluffy time. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, but without any further ado, let's go ahead and just jump straight into it. Uh, Thomas, if you can go ahead and give us a little background of yourself and how you got into jujitsu and whatnot for the people at home. Yeah. Listen, so it, it, it's, it, it's a long story how I got into jujitsu, but who I am, you know, I'm just another guy in Chicago area who just has a lot of passion for jiu-jitsu um you know i i have the privilege to have my own academy at this point and, and you know and some students who you know love jiu-jitsu as well and just like you guys you know we engage on daily basis and i kind of try to understand and explore this this, this chaos of of jiu-jitsu from a tech from technical perspective from philosophy perspective and, and we just kind of you know we, we, we hang out and, and we do this cool thing and 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 just like you guys so you know i had the privilege to be on the other side sharing some of the experiences that i've compiled oh there was the drink uh, that i have compiled over the last 20 plus years you know, and, and, and share it with, 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 with the students on the mat. And then just like you guys, you know, I had the privilege to hang out with you, you cool guys, and, 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 and you know, just create some of these engagements. So let, let's go ahead and just kind of like jump it straight into what – how did you start jujitsu? Yeah, so that, that's, a, that's a very interesting actually story on, you know, going back and kind of framing this up. I was in corporate world. I was, um, you know, climbing the corporate ladder like um, a lot of people out there these days. Um, and, and my boss um, was doing jiu-jitsu. And, and, but, but framing this correctly, at that point of my life, I was not really into any type of activity. I was, I was, I called this a fluffy Thomas. You know, I, I was, I, I was, there, there was a weight associated with it, you know, and being very politically correct and not offending anybody, you know, it, it's just, just physical exercise was not on my daily agenda. Let's just put it that way. Okay. I was in technology. <laughs> I was geek. I was really trying to do the thing that everybody was doing and really kind of climb myself towards the career, you know, but my boss, um, Eric and shout out to Eric, you know, very good friend of mine to this day. You know, he was very persistent about, you know, poking the bear, 
And he, he continuously, over, over a period of months, he was saying, look, check this out. Just check. But he was smart enough to poke it and leave it. Poke it and leave it. And at some point, it became really, really annoying. You know, like, you know, like the, the, the guy you have who like keeps poking constantly, but he doesn't tell you anything yeah. about it. You know, it was, it was really, <laughs> really annoying. And, and, and at some point, you know, I finally was like, listen, just I'll go. I'll go, I'll see it, I'll do it, just leave me alone, okay? I don't wanna, I don't wanna hear this anymore. And, and so I did. And that was day one of completely new adventure, completely new life. You know, from that point on, I was hooked. It was a healthy ad- addiction. And, um, you know, within the next year, year and a half, you know, I, I went down from about 240 to about 170. Um, as far as my weight wow. is concerned, you know, I really became um, really obsessed, really, really involved in the jujitsu. And, 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 and this is just the first year and a half, but I was hooked. I was hooked. And as I mentioned earlier, um, now I have the, um, the, 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 the opportunity to make a similar impact on others and, 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 you know, and, and have, have that impact on the students and really allow them to con- start that journey and then continue that journey of exploration, because that's essentially what it is. Yeah, absolutely. So your, your buddy, Eric, or your boss, Eric, uh, what belt was he when you, when he was convincing you, was he a fresh blue belt? Cause I know when I was a fresh blue belt, I was trying to get everyone in there. I mean, you know? we, we're still trying, right? Yeah, we're, still- <laughs> like, yeah. we're, we're that guy. We poke everyone. You know? yeah. yeah, no, he was a blue belt. And, but you know what's funny? So this <laughs> called is, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. But but listen, this this is the funny part of this that um, it, you know, he came into work a couple hours earlier so he can go train during the lunch. Okay, but I recall, and he he will deny this. He will. You should have him on the podcast just so he can tell you his story. <laughs> but he will. He denies this. But um, every time he passed by my desk, you know, he had his bag with a gi inside, but the belt was always sticking out. It's like he was ah. rubbing it in. He was like rubbing it in every single time. But anyway, <laughs> yeah, he was he was a blue belt and he went through the ranks and um, you know, now now he's a black belt and, and we have um you know we, we have the opportunity to train together and, and what a, what an amazing friendship and what an amazing story. That's awesome. So the academy that you first started out at, is that the same academy that you were all the way under until you got your black belt? You know, so it's interesting. It's interesting um, part of my journey, unlike many others out there, because of the circumstances of life, I didn't have privilege to continue with my original instructor. Um, I started with Carson Gracie Sr. And he passed away um, somewhere around my blue belt, um, mid blue belt or so. You know, and, and then, you know, other circumstances of my life, uh, having kids and moving out to the suburbs and, and, and just kind of continue with their quote unquote life, you know, didn't allow me to travel over an hour to the academy and have that while other academies were closer. So that some of these shifts took place, you know, and some of these sacrifices, I had to, I had to make these tough decisions in order for me to continue, continue jujitsu. So, you know, to answer your question directly, no, I did not. Um, however, you know, in, in my mind, it, it is all about the experience of the journey, right? So it, it's, you know, sometimes we have to make these tough decisions and, and unfortunately is not the desired, um, not the desire point, but the, but the end of it is, you know, if you have to 
choose between training or not training, you know, it, it, it's better to train. You can continue training, right? Sometimes we just make to, we need to make these tough, tough decisions through the, through the life. Yeah, it's it's funny that you mentioned uh, sometimes you just got to train because COVID really put a hamper on a lot of people's training, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. But we saw resilience in a lot of people with, you know, BJJ Fanatics releasing free DVDs mm-hmm. so people can train at home. And then people buying mats like I have two mats in my garage that, you know, we would we would practice with. And then, you know, small group things of people that, you know, were being safe and whatnot. During the the lockdown area, what was training looking like for you? Yeah, it was tough. I'll tell you that. It, it's um, last last year, beginning of last year, you know, um, we, um, we as my academy, we made a decision to close down much earlier than what the official um, uh, government regulations were. You know, we and there was so much unknown at that point that we chose to cancel classes early on. And I think it was sometime in February, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and, and we were close for, I think, three or four months, if I'm, not, if I'm recalling correctly. And, you know, it's tough because we go from this hands-on, you know, hands-on, person-to-person combat environment and a full mental and physical stimulation to this um, complete, opposite where you don't touch anybody you cannot even interact with them and yes we were fortunate with doing things like zoom classes and and youtube streaming videos and 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 you know these opportunities that to connect with students but none of that replaces what we are what, what we are here to do and i think i think in a retrospect thinking back i think jiu-jitsu is one of those activity hobbies sports whatever you want to call it but it's one of those um one of those those activities where where it's almost impossible to do you know alone you can you can drill you can you can have a dummy but none of that replaces the true training you know and 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 you know online platforms like bjj fanatics and and many others we've done the same thing with ours you know fully accessible for no charge to anybody to anybody who wanted to get on it you know but none of that replaces it so it, it you know it was a tough time for many students and and a lot of students obviously had to take breaks some of them didn't come back matter of fact i personally know several academies who closed down and never returned they they simply you know shut down permanently and and um, you know, it was a tough time, but at the same time, I think when we, you know, it, whether you consider the pandemic over or not, you know, we're going to stay away from the political thing, but it, it's, you know, looking, looking hindsight, hindsight, looking behind us at this point, you know, I think it, it made us appreciate, at least in my case, it made me appreciate the jujitsu training to what it really is. You know, often we take it for granted that we go to the academy two, three, four, five times. The academy is actually available to us, you know, that we have these friends, peers, training partners. You know, I think last year really was eye-opening in that sense where, you know, a simple phone call or a text message or, hey, listen, come on by and train. Like these things, I think, are magnified right now because of the circumstances we found ourselves in um, just last year. And, I think as time goes on, we'll never forget it, but we kind of finally look it back and, and, and we might be saying as, hey, you remember that time when we couldn't train? Well, that sucked. 
you know, let's go train. And, and I tell my students at least, use that as a motivation to get better. Use that as a motivation to continue studying jujitsu. Don't allow that to overcome your life and don't allow that to, to shut down the passion that you have because that would be a shame. Yeah, we we got to we were fortunate enough to interview quite a few people during the pandemic, right, John? Yeah, and I was uh, in San Diego for a big chunk of it. Most of those places stayed open, and you know they kept rolling. So you know I was at least fortunate for that. But as far as impact, I don't know if we'll ever know how many people actually left jujitsu and won't come back to it. You know, because it's hard, right? You go, you go. If you get too big of a break in between, you know, it's it's a challenge to get back into it. I, I think I think that's one of the hardest things, and that's not only jujitsu related; it's just sport related in general. Because there is this adrenaline rush, there is this dopamine rush, you know, that, that we get during these activities and then we take a break and it's very difficult to come back. And it's not that we don't want to. I think that's really important to remember. We want to come back, but often, and that's very visible with injuries, particularly um, we want to come back. It's just our mindset is at the point where we left, but our body is probably 10 steps behind you know especially with that's a great point especially with injuries so like you know i i feel great i'm recovered from the injury from pandemic whatever it is and i step on a mat but my mind is like oh yeah i i could handle that guy i could do this i could do that i could do flying triangles and all the other fancy (laughs) stuff right i could bear and bowl around that guy seven times and he could even catch me right but and then we start doing this and like the, the 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 physical the physical um, contri- the, the, the components that take place in our own body, that it, it, they're not just not the same, you know? And then if so, it happens that others train during the time that we are out. Now that puts another layer of complexity, right? So uh, what I often do with my students, I actually, you know, co- create a little consultation, if you will. You know, it, it's like my, our goal is, after you return to get you back to where you were, and then we need certain amount of time to get you there. So you cannot come into, you know, advanced class, even if you're a purple belt, like it's not advised for you to come back into advanced class because one, your body is not ready for it. It's just not, you know, you mentally might be there, but you're physically not there. So there's this stepping stones to get there. And if you do follow that recipe, you know, you will be back in just a month or two or three. And then, you golden, you know, but last thing you want to do is get re-injured or setback in some, some capacity. And then you don't gone again. And this, and this is when people quit. It's not that they don't want to return. They do just the return is so complex and difficult that it's, um, you know, it's hard. It's hard. Those things are, are just challenging. No, I completely agree. That's, that was, like John mentioned, we were fortunate enough to be able to continue to train through most of the pandemic Keep because we weren't hit Keep very hard. <laughs> you know, but but that's not to say that, you know, some people didn't take precautions and stopped right. training. And we still haven't seen a couple couple people that didn't come back, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But what was those classes first like when you opened back up? Did you have to give like disclaimers to your students? Like, hey, I know you guys are excited to get back into it, but like, let's take it a little bit easy. We're going to kind of go back over the basics. Like, what was your curriculum and how how did you like break it down for your students? You know, it was a it was a very fine manipulation of um, satisfying the students 
and complying what was necessary and doing what was necessary to comply with the rules and regulations of of the governing body at that time, right? And that's a very, very difficult task for any business owner and jujitsu instructor. Because listen, despite what I think about pandemic, we're going to put all of that aside. There, there, there is a business that has to be run. There has to be bills that have to be paid. My, my landlord does not care if there is a pandemic or not. He wants to have his lease. He, my, the electrical company wants to, wants to, wants to get their check. Everything like these are the things that have to take place, and and you know, and then there's these governing bodies who who put these rules around fitness, and then okay, let's be honest, jujitsu, jujitsu is probably the most physical contact as it possibly can be. Like it doesn't get more physical contact than jujitsu, right? So right. With, with situations like pandemic, you know, when they tell you, you need to stay six feet apart. Like we were joking about this. Like this is where, you know, yeah. where are all these guys where did touchless, touchless martial arts? Like they should be making That's millions. That's Tai Chi. Right we're now. like. I'm, I'm telling you, they, they should be making millions right now because this was ideal for them, right? But bringing it back to reality, you know, jujitsu is, the the worst example of that right so like how do you maneuver through through these things you know so we were very creative we were very creative we we were trying to we very number one we were extremely transparent with our students you know we we allow anybody who wants to cancel to cancel like that this is their their choice we're not going to fight you you know if you want to support you want to support if you want to come and train with the limitations that were around us then let's do go and train with limitations around us and as time went on we also start learning how the situation is and creating perspectives about what is really what we really want to do and how do we manipulate the business to continue to sustain and open to to keep keep operational at the same time to keep people healthy you know so um I, I think it was a huge learning curve from a business perspective you know and again this is doesn't matter whether i approve it or i disapprove of the pandemic or what are my thoughts about masks or vaccination that that goes regardless of this you have you know um you, you have these situations and, and i'm sure every business owner or every jiu-jitsu academy owner found themselves in this position we had people canceling because you know, th th there was some people were pro pro uh, uh, pandemic and some was against pandemic and people canceled for both reasons. And, th and there's nothing I can do to solve the problem. Yeah. It, it is you are caught between hard, between rock and a hard place. That's it. It, it, it. You're essentially trying to help people. And I think that those who took that approach, you know, around the world. I think those are successful. Those are the ones who survive. Those are the ones who are continue operating. And those are the ones who probably now, when this pandemic is coming to the end or is ended, or however you look at it, um, you know, probably now they have more traffic than they've ever had. And that's something that we are experiencing now. And, and this is this post-pandemic kind of um, environment. If you coped up in a house with your family, kids, wife, and everybody, you want to get out of there. I love my family, but I want to get out on the mat. Like I want to go and train, <laughs> you know? And, yeah. and I think this is something what we're experiencing right now, you know, end of last year and beginning of this year and, and throughout this year. And it's like, people want to get out. And, 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 you know, if, if, if jujitsu was planted a seed, little seed in your head, 
over last decade, this is the time when you try it because you finally can. And I think a lot of Jiu-Jitsu Academy owners, a lot of instructors are experiencing higher traffic because of that. And hopefully they are taking advantage of it and hopefully they are impacting these people in a very positive way. Yeah, it is so interesting that you that you mention uh, jujitsu blowing up post pandemic because during one of our interviews with Jason Kalipa, he literally said that this was mid pandemic that we're mm-hmm. where uh, we interviewed him and he said, "I was like, so what do you see the you know jujitsu going?" He's like, "I think after the pandemic, jujitsu is going to be the highest it's probably ever been because mm-hmm. people are going to be locked up and they're going to think, oh man, I need it, I need to get in there.' You know what I mean? Have you noticed our classes? Well, yeah, our bigger? classes are." They're huge now. I mean, their full classes, the the kids' classes is unbelievable. They have even more than the adult class. But, yeah, I mean, I feel like the classes are bigger now than a year and a half ago. Yeah, and, sure. and we are experiencing the same thing. It is, I mean, our kids' classes are full capacity, literally. Like, I have to turn <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, have I think to there's turn a waiting list. Yeah. yeah, there's yeah. a waiting list, you know. And, and, and so that's a problem of its own, you know what I mean? And then, then, then you have classes where it's literally full capacity, like, we have so many bodies on the mat. There's no room to roll. Like, and and so imagine this going from this black to the white, a white to black situations. Like these are these extremes. One, you can't be open. Two, you you're blowing up. I mean, these are our challenges. You can't keep up with business. Right, right. <laughs> and like everybody says, you know, oh, there's a good problem to have, but it's still a problem. You still need to solve it. You know what I mean? So, um, listen, don't take me wrong. I am not complaining. I love my job. I love what I do. But these are all challenges that we face during dif- difficult and, you know, unprecedented times like, like last year. And just it is what it is. I can only control so much. And this is why I often compare this to jiu-jitsu. You can only control so much. You can only control what you do, right? And jiu-jitsu is so much like it. If I'm passing a guard or I'm controlling my opponent, my partner, I can only do what I can. I cannot manipulate their mind. I can ask them, hey, listen, can I submit you right now? And I'm, <laughs> I'm yet to find a partner who's going to, yeah, go for it, man. You know, but, but it, it, we can only so much, we can only control what we can and the rest of it's completely out of our control. You know, that's the other 50%. That's our partner, you know, and we just need to manipulate within the situation, make the best out of it, and then find the best path of the least resistance to the goal that we desire. And that is the complexity of jujitsu and then life. Yeah. So when you were coming up, uh, it's kind of a, a two part question. Did you ever one think that you were going to be a black belt, let alone a third degree black belt? And then two, did you ever consider that you were going to open your own academy? And you know, your 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 Instagram uh, shows that you you know you had like fifty people in the class the other night. Like it was like. Obviously, you just mentioned it's it's booming right now. Um, a good but bad problem to have. Did you ever expect that you would be at this point in your jujitsu journey uh, when you first started? No, no. Matter of fact, um, I think many, many practitioners, many students, instructors who have started, you know, two decades ago, they will tell you this: that um, I, I remember being told flat out, "You will never be a black belt." You will never oh, get wow. there. You will never get there. You know, and there were multiple components. One, there was you're not tough enough, you're not skilled enough. But two, you know, there there is there was this 
back then, and again, I'm going to frame this in a politically correct statement because people will get pissed <laughs> off, okay? But, but the, it was literally Brazilian jiu-jitsu. There was no Americans teaching jiu-jitsu back then when I started. You know, I, I keep in mind, I started with Carlson Gracie Sr. Like, it doesn't get closer to the source. The guy didn't speak English. There was 20, 20 words that he spoke. That's all, right? I, you know, so there was a very different situation, very different environment that we find ourselves today. Um, but yeah, we were told flat out. I was told flat out, you will never be a black belt. You'll never get to that. You know, you know, might as well quit right now. And that was the attitude. It was for the tough guy. It was for, it was for the fighter. It was for somebody who can overcome all of these challenges, you know? So, you know, was I hoping? Was it my dream? Yeah, absolutely. You looked up to these guys. You you walked into that room and, you know, he sat across the room and you were like, oh man, it's so cool to just do nothing all day. Go do some jujitsu, <laughs> you know, talk to people. I mean, this amazing job, you know. But um, yeah, I, I think all, you know, through through the journey, through the years, you know, as all of this continued evolving, as the world continued changing, you know, things like YouTube coming up and, and internet, you know. Um, I mean, think about it. You're like, I sound crazy right now. But I'm talking 22, 20 plus years ago. There was no YouTube. There was there was no BJJ no. fanatics. And I I know some guys are like like listening right now and they're scratching their heads and it's like, what did the world look like pre BJJ fanatics? <laughs> you know, so but, when I tell my kids, we didn't have cell phones. There was no cell phones when I was a kid. <laughs> yeah, it's like you know. Um, by the way, speaking of cell phones, we want the flip phones. Like that was the coolest thing. Like, yeah, I, I, we were I remember just beepers. To... I remember when I had a beeper and I had a cool chain for it. Yeah, <laughs> I always wanted a beeper. Just throwing that out there. My, I was like, Dad, can I get a beeper? He's like, you don't need a beeper. I was like, I don't need a beeper. My first phone, sidetrack, my first phone was the Nokia brick. Uh-huh, that when it uh-huh. like vibrated, it felt like it was going to cut your leg in oh, half. Yeah. Now I'm always checking my phone because I think I feel it vibrating. You know what I mean? Like, oh, yeah. We were literally just talking about T9, about how revolutionary T9 was. Oh. It's like, you remember when you didn't have to click three times to get to E? Oh, yeah. That was great. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, some of the stories that we can tell is ridiculous. Like, I remember one of my first cell phones I had, deviating from the serious story here, but um, one of the first cell phones was if there was an incoming call, first minute was free. So guess what I oh, did? Oh, wow. Guess what I did? I literally you timed hang it. Hang up, 58 seconds. I timed it. Yep. 59, boom. I don't care if you were talking. Boom. <laughs> you can call me back if you were. I'm, I'm gone. If it's important. <laughs> <laughs> Hurry up, 30 seconds left. Go, go, go. It's so funny you mentioned that because we have a guy that we work with that back when it was a uh, collect calls, you could get the collect call for free by uh, just hearing who it was and you can deny the charges. And he would call his mom collect on the payphone and he'd say, hey, mom, I'm done with football practice. Pick me up. And he would hang up. And so she would hear, hey, mom, I'm done with football practice. Pick me up. <laughs> So, I mean, some, th- those are th- back in the day, man. 10, 10, 220, uh, all for all your collect calls. Man, <laughs> like, I even remember, like, when I got my first beeper, like, we were establishing all these codes with the friends. Hey, listen, yeah, yeah, you, yeah. You yeah. Me, you know, three, two, one, blah, blah, blah. Like, all, it was like a language of its own. I know the new people who are listening to it right now, they don't even know what I'm talking. They don't know what a beeper is. But, yeah, um, right. But listen, life was different back then. That that's that's the bottom line, you know. And you know, as as life continue evolving over time, you know, one jujitsu as a sport, as activity, as a hobby, continue maturing, 
continue getting better, continue evolving. You know, and I think now we are in a, in a, in a, in a phenomenal position as one, academies and jujitsu more accessible than ever. It's more accessible than ever. I don't care what anybody thinks. It's like more accessible than ever. You can get your phone. You can watch anything that you want, anything. And a matter of fact, my argument is you can watch it for free. You know, it's it like YouTube is freaking gazillion of videos. You can find anything, right? If you want to pay for it, that's even better. But it's accessible, you know. And, and academies are in any major city in the in, in United States and then around the world. I mean, there's only certain parts of the world that jujitsu doesn't exist in, and that is changing daily. I mean, it, it could not be a more exciting time for jujitsu than than we find ourselves today, you know. So it continues evolving. So as I was as we were getting closer to today, what we find ourselves today, you know, thoughts start you know, raising up in my head, you know, what if, you know, someday I'm going to be a black belt, you know, these, these doors start opening up and, you know, you start getting more geeky about it and, and you start creating, you know, you start becoming this, this leader, whether you like it or not, people look up to you, you walk into the room full of white belts and you're purple, you're blue, they look at you, who's that guy? Yeah. You know, and it happens all the time, you know, so you, you do become leader. The question is, are you ready to be a leader? That's the question. You know, and so, you know, to answer your question more directly, I, I talk too much. I always say this. You got to stop me. It's no, like, it's, it's gotta, great content. I'm it's like, good in my for head, a podcast. Yeah, I was about to say, like, this is <laughs> great. I'm like, in my head, I'm like, we're going to turn this into content. We're I'm just trying to remember my question for you. I'm like, don't forget my question. Don't forget my question. <laughs> you got to write it down. Like, <laughs> you guys should have like little lights in the corner or something like blanket. Stop talking. Stop talking. Stop talking. But we're, we're, we're going to have the we're going to have the music come on. It's like, all right, Tom, let's go ahead and finish this question. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, I tell my students all the time. I talk too much. Like, and you need to stop me. You need to literally stop yeah, me. Right. But, um, but anyway, I mean, at some point, you know, the idea of teaching um, start surfacing in my mind, and so it happened that I was fortunate enough with my life aligned in a way where I was able to convert my corporate life, corporate job, corporate corporate career into a full time instructor. I mean, that, that was the, one of the most amazing days in my life. And then took a lot of effort, a lot of, a lot of support, a lot of sacrifices. But I, I'll tell you, somebody asked me actually recently, a couple of weeks ago, one of my students asked me, is like, would you ever go back? Like if the if like pandemic go high wire, you know, and like you, you had to close the academy, would you ever go back? I was like, two problems with what you ask. One, my academy never is going down over my dead body. That's never <laughs> happening. Okay. Like I would go nuts without, you know, but two, no, I would never go back. I, I would not, you know, and, and it's, there is for multiple reasons, but there's something really satisfying about doing what I do and I love it. I would never change it. Thomas, I have a question for you. Shoot. How That's do a good you think? Cause he's on a podcast with us. How do you go about <laughs> um, promotions in your academy? Is it um, like a, a test? Is it something you just see or is it uh at six months, you test for this. I'm just curious because uh, our couple years, I've seen probably three or four promotions. They've always been different every time. So I'm just curious. Uh, how about you go you, about doing you're gonna, it? Yours? You're going to put me on a spot like that, right? Like the, the most controversial. <laughs> All your white belts are listening, yeah, taking know, notes. Right? The, the most controversial <laughs> question in jujitsu. Period. I got to ask the hard question. Got to ask yeah, the hard question. You know, listen, no, I appreciate a hard question. I do it. Unorth- <laughs> I do it unorthodox. Okay, more you smile, faster you get your black belt. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> we'll, be, we'll be black belts already. <laughs> 
No, listen, it is um it is a controversial topic for a reason. Um and you know, I'm gonna give you the typical Thomas like answer, which you know is gonna be long and I'm gonna make it confused and I will never answer the question. But um it, the the point here is this it's jujitsu is almost impossible to measure. It is very difficult and challenging to measure. And, and there's few components behind this. And then I'll answer your question, but this is kind of pre-framing what the reasoning is in my mind. Perfect. I like it. Yeah, it, it's, it's very difficult to measure for a few, few reasons. One, we are all different ages. Jiu-Jitsu is accessible to people from literally three years old to 90. Okay, and the components of our body are going to be very different. You can't compare the 20 years old, 20 year old wrestler or grappler with the 55 year old retiree. You can't. It's impossible. You can't. It's you would be doing. You would not be doing justice to either one of them. So that's one. Um, so the physical component of jujitsu is is very present. Um, two is our brains. Um, I think jujitsu is more mentally stimulating than physically stimulating. It's like continuous troubleshooting. You're continuously troubleshooting moving targets. And, and it's very difficult. Our brains work differently. And, and while all of this is unfolding, there is the skill set component which falls in somewhere in the middle, meaning how do we retain the information and how do we execute the information. But be, between those three, it's almost impossible to measure how, one, how, how well one is doing. The only true way to measure that is to compare yourself to the past, meaning to, to, the, to the version in the past, right? How, well, how much progress have you made in the last 12 months? That's a true component. Because even if you take competitors, which often is um, you know, a measuring stick, if you will, or a measuring, some kind of measurement, you know, oh, he won Worlds, he won Pan Ams. But all that is, and it's a great achievement. I'm not taking that away from anybody, but how is that measuring his progress? Right. Having 70 guys in a division and being fully stacked is one thing, but showing up and having only 10 guys and there are all the top guys that didn't show up. Well, how is that a measuring? Right. So all these components are very based on the situations we find ourselves. And I want to make it clear because I know there'll be criticisms around this. Right. It, it, <laughs> gold medals are beautiful. They, they are beautiful. They, 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 they show us the result of winning a competition. But that competition took place at this time, at this place with the people who were there. Right. It doesn't compare us to jujitsu. And that is the important component to really keep in mind as we talk about competition. So how do I how do I promote? There is there's, there's few components behind it. Um, one is, is definitely attendance and effort. I mean, that's, that's the first one that needs to be talked about somebody. And I'm not talking about how much time, how much you attend. I'm talking about consistency of attendance. That's a big difference. Somebody who attends one time, then, then will come in five times next week and then disappear for three weeks and then will show up four times. That's a very inconsistent training pattern. Versus somebody who will come in three times a week and he will be consistent three times a week across the year. And see, they might have the same attendance as a total per year, but the consistency mm. is very different. So I look at that as an instructor. How consistent are you? Two, I really look at the progression that you are making. So in my mind, each belt is like a segment, is like a sprint, is like a box. 
which you need to achieve as a as a as a as a as a student, you should be achieving certain goals. And it's not necessarily the amount of techniques that you know, but how do you comprehend the techniques? You know, in the white belt, we are often getting smashed. We are often getting destroyed and we feel powerless. You know, but how do you accept this? How do you solve the problem of continuously getting destroyed? Well, that, that, that's a big question. You know, one is going to be pissed off and is going to walk away, throw the belt, throw the gi and the other one. The other one is going to start scratching his head. And a third one is going to go and do three-hour research on BJJ fanatics. And I was like, hold on a minute. What is going on here? Right? These <laughs> How are, do I stop this? Right. And there are three different people. <laughs> yeah. And he still might not be able to stop it. But the point is, he is thinking about it. You know, so that's a big component, you know, and, and three is how do you make a progression with your skill, you know, in the circumstances that you find yourself in? So I'll, I'll give you an example. I have a I have a um, special needs student in my adult class and, um, you know, I had a conversation with with his dad. You know, this gentleman, uh, the son is is 18 years old. Um, and I had a conversation with his dad a few years back when he came into the academy and his dad told me, listen, I don't want you to treat him specially. I want you to treat him like any other student. And, and I was rather, whoa, wait a minute. Like, that's impossible. How, how am I supposed to treat him? You know? And that was my, you know, there was a lot of chaos in my mind. I was like, okay, well, let's go with this. We need, let's treat him like a special student. And that's how I treat him the entire time. And recently after a few years, he, he finally got his blue belt and it, it was a very emotional moment. And the truth is that, you know, a lot of people might destroy him from a physical perspective. But I'll tell you, first of all, the guy is the biggest trash talker on the mat. The biggest trash talker. <laughs> I love it. it. Remind me, I'm going to tell you a story when he got promoted in a moment. But, <laughs> uh, but, but, but two, like I can tell that his wheels are spinning and he knows mm what to do he just might not be able to do it because of the limitations that he's facing in his world so the bottom line is um you know a long time ago long time ago um carson gracie senior and this was about six months before his departure um he told me not everybody is going to be a world champion remember that and that that stuck with me for 20 years um, and that is important to keep in mind as an instructor. So, um, again, like I said, in a typical Th- Thomas-like fashion, I didn't answer your question, answering your question. But um, I, I think there's m- multiple components to the promotion in general. I think, you know, you have to really understand the student. You really have to understand it. And, and the goal is for them to really continue growing continue understanding, continue comprehending jiu-jitsu, continue learning jiu-jitsu, continue staying hungry for jiu-jitsu, that once we achieve that, then life is good. So you met you in that uh, fantastic answer. I, I enjoyed that very much. So don't be self-conscious about it, Thomas. That was great. <laughs> <laughs> but in that answer, you mentioned competing and mm-hmm. uh, you mentioned that it doesn't hold it all the weight, but if a person consistently competes and then you can see like they're winning tournament after tournament. Does do you do you hold any weight to that? Like a little bit more than the person that's being more consistent? Like how much on your your uh scale do you hold if a person competes often and wins or loses? Yeah, no, and, and that, that, that that's a great question, right? And I think a lot of instructors find out find themselves in this position where they have to juggle these 
these mental mental points of how do you reward these guys, how do you motivate them, and so on. Because we got to keep in mind that belts are not only a reward; they are also a motivating factor. Like you know, that's very important to remember too. Like it's it, once you get that blue, purple, brown belt, whatever it is around your waist. You know, a lot of students think, wait a minute, now everything changed. What well, did it really? Nothing really changed. You just got a new color around your waist. But, but yet, we feel that pressure. So it is a motivating factor. But to answer your question, yes, of course it has some impact on it. But I also look at what competitions you do. If you go to Worlds, that's a different. You were blue belt at Worlds. You have probably between 70 to 120 people in your division. You know, you place in that division or you get to quarterfinals in the division, damn, I mean, you've done something. You know, but then again, <laughs> I'm just saying, you go to a local tournament that has six guys and you win a gold medal? I mean, listen, I'm not taking away from the gold medal. All I'm saying, the effort to take the gold medal is much different than getting, you know, in the quarterfinals at Worlds. That's a, Those are the big components. Like All this has to be taken under consideration, which creates a moving target. And that is what is difficult. At the same time, you know, if you are an active competitor, I have to acknowledge this. I have to acknowledge that the fact that you compete, you do well, and if you so, then we, there should be a conversation about you being promoted. There should be a conversation about your goals, you know, and big part of what I do with my students, you know, it's very easy to kind of identify the goals, the high level goals for the students. You know, you have the 50-year-old retiree or 70-year-old retiree coming to academy, he, you know, he might be competing, but the competition is not his goal. You know, it, it, you know, he wants to disconnect. He wants to move around. He wants to have good time. He wants to learn something new, stimulate himself. And then you have a 20-year-old coming in and, and who maybe has some wrestling or grappling background. You know, he's very eager. There's a lot of, you know, uh, it, it's highly, what is it? No, we're just laughing at you. I, yeah. When you say Whenever you story, we're like, I'm, I'm seeing people in my head. I'm yeah. like, oh, you're getting it. You got it. Yeah, like you're like popping. Like, I'm like, oh, I know exactly who I can relate that to. I know exactly who you can relate well, that to. I think every academy has that, right? It's like all these, Absolutely, the, the, yeah. The demographics, are, the demographic and Jesus are so wide that you see all these all these different professions and ages and, and, and all throughout, right? And genders and so on. So, um, um, see, now you distracted me. Damn it, I lost my train of thought. <laughs> no, so we're, we're talking about, uh, so having the conversation, if they do compete a lot, and then, you know, how much weight each competition right, has. Right, So it, that happens on, on, on a regular basis, you know, because students come up to me and say, hey, listen, I want to challenge myself. I want to do this competition, blah, blah, blah. You know, and, and my thought is, well, what's your goal? You know, what, 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 why do you want to compete? You know, and say, well, you know, I, I want, I, I, this is something I want to do. I'm going to get into this. I want to push myself, blah, blah, blah. Then, then I'll say, well, listen, do this one. Maybe don't do this one. This this might be waste of money and waste of time. Take a look at this. You know. You know. What? How are we looking from budgetary perspective? Because doing three local tournaments might might be okay, but going to worlds and having the same price might be another. You know. So, you know, some of these conversations should be taking place. You know, within the student base and and instructor having a a deeper understanding what is the goal of the student. I think it plays a significant role in a student's success, you know? And if so, it happens that that student is successful. So it happens that the student performs above and beyond what's expected of them. 
you know, I think that conversation of them getting promoted, you know, should be happening, you know, but at the same time, like I'm going to challenge all of this with, with the fact of there's plenty of guys who have wrestling experience, but they don't know jujitsu and they will go to competition. They will demolish all the competitors. Do they deserve to be promoted? I mean, I don't know. I'll, I'll leave that kind of open question and let, you know, everybody decide on this. But the question is, do they know jiu-jitsu? Because belts are for jiu-jitsu. The promotion is for jiu-jitsu. So it, it is a moving target. It, it's not so black and white as, as I think some might, at least in my mind, there's a lot of fog, a lot of spaghetti in my mind. Like, the, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of chaos in there. So anyway, you're getting like a glimpse of it. <laughs> well, you know, I was going to say w- one thing I like about competition is I feel like for those that want to compete, it gives them the opportunity to compete against someone that's their age and their weight class, yes. which they might not get in their gym. Yes. So I feel like, you know, that's a good thing, you know, because I mean, honestly, it's pretty hard to find that at least in our gym. Well, yeah, like we go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry. No, no, go ahead. What I was going to say is, uh, yeah. So like in our like John is the only person his size in in our school and then we have a single guy that's in or two guys that are in their 50s right but one's a higher belt than the other you know what i mean so they're like the you have not only the the skill gap but you also have like age size all this come into play when when it's in to, to your point when it comes into just rolling in class but i think it kind of honestly helps when it does go yeah i think so for sure well, so there's like a go ahead. you can look at a competition as a midterm you know, but that has nothing to do with promotions, right? So competition yeah. is a very healthy way of testing your skill and your mindset and your approach to jujitsu with somebody who you've never met or, or you have minimal contact or minimal training capabilities, right? And that really puts you in a midterm level, meaning you're going to test yourself. You got you got to test your mindset. You got to definitely test your you test your stress levels. You got to you got to how are you going to react under pressure? What's your troubleshooting like? What's your strategy like? I mean, maybe maybe strategy is very you know weak statement, but you you still have a strategy. Everybody has a strategy as they go in. They know what they want to do. How did you execute on what you want to do, right? But kind of pivoting that to the, what we were talking about a minute ago. Does that have anything to do with belts? Well, I don't know. That's, you know, for everybody to decide, right? Well, you know, it's funny because one of our buddies, uh, he just went and went and did a class at a local gym and uh, he felt like he did really well. You know, he went in, you know, he felt, he, you know, he got a lot of submissions. He felt great and he was happy when he came back to the class, but then he's in our class and he's like, I can't win here. It's like you guys smack. Like you know, he he doesn't feel like he has the success in our school. He goes to a different school. He feels like he has great success. And when I talk to him, I'm like, you know, man, I wish you'd just go compete at least once because I feel like you know when you train with the same people over and over and over again, you know their game, you know what they go to, you know. So when they go try something new, you know their opponent doesn't know that, and mm-hmm. I think that's why they get a lot of su- success that way. You know, it's interesting. I, I, I agree hundred percent, you know, and, and, you know, training with the same, with the same minds, the same bodies, it definitely gives us a perspective of knowing who those people are, you know, especially when you like talk trash to them and you piss them off, like you, you <laughs> just, just talk and just annoy them, you know what I mean? But, but it, you know, we definitely get to know each other. I mean, I know that myself, you know, I'll go with this individual's like, I'm not pulling out with that guy. Pfft. 
Uh, no way. <laughs> now he, here, yeah. I'm staying on top. <laughs> you know, here, I'm going deep inside because I know I'm going to sweep them. You know, so, you know, again, this is the component of strategy, right? We, we're making intelligent decisions based on what we have presented in front of us to achieve the goal that we're trying to reach. Um, so, and, and that really doesn't exist, especially in the local tournaments. If the data, by, by data, I mean videos or, or previous results are not available, right? So um, that's why I treat this as a, as a, as a, as a midterm. This is this is a, this is a platform to really test yourself, you know, against individuals who are your age, your weight, and your skill set, you know, in those brackets, you know, and and that's a phenomenal, phenomenal way to really see where you are with the skill set of jujitsu, you know. So I always encourage individuals to do it at least once, just do it one, one time, you know. It's not yeah. for everybody, it's not, but do it once and and do it early on. Don't wait until your purple belt. That's hard, you know. Do do it when you're white belt. Do it when you're starting. You know, first six months, eight months, ten, whatever it is. You know, first year. Do it. Go do it. What do you have to lose? Nothing. How about your ice cream if you lose? You're fine. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, we have a couple people in our school that have kind of been in our school since the beginning uh, of our opening. We've only our school has only been open for what. Three and a half, four years. Yeah, now. three and a half, four years. And John and I were literally like day one students in it because uh, our buddy owns it. But we have a lot of friends. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> we have a lot of friends that are that have been doing it with us since we started, but because of inconsistencies in their training, uh, they've had to take some breaks. They've gone through some injuries. We've gone through three different black belts in our school alone. So our lineage is, I don't even know if we have a lineage, uh, no offense to if our professor is listening to this, but you know, and you, we have people that are still white belts. next time you show up. You yeah, know I'm getting right? smashed, yeah. right? There's nothing to do, nothing to do. <laughs> but all this to say, we have people in our class that are still white belts mm-hmm. or, you know, no stripe blue belts. And I, so I, they have to feel unmotivated sometimes. How would you convince, or what would you tell these people to like stick with it? Like, look, when you'll get it, you'll get it. Like, how do you continue to get these people to show up to class, even though it's been years as a white belt? It's been years. It is tough because it's like restarting yeah. over and over. Every time we get a new instructor, again. it's literally like what our professor Sean, he's a Carlson Gracie black belt. And, uh, and he, he came in, he's like, don't even think about promotions for at least six months to a year. Like I, I got to see how you guys roll, you know? And so people that were like right on the brink of mm-hmm. a blue belt, now they're kind of like starting all over again. You know yeah. what I mean? How do you keep those kind of people motivated? Yeah, it's, it's hard. So these are hard situations, right? I think jujitsu is complex enough. Um, when you have consistency, um, let alone if you introduce some of these extra components, which what you guys are talking about, um, I think what is really, really important in jiu-jitsu is understanding why things work the way they do. Um, and in my my philosophy, and this is my personal philosophy on jiu-jitsu, that jiu-jitsu is easy. Jiu-jitsu is not, not difficult. It really isn't. Jiu-jitsu is complex, but it's not difficult. And these are two different words. They, are, they, they have a very different meaning. You know, there's a lot of layers to jiu-jitsu, but... It's not difficult to do if you understand how it works. Understanding how jiu-jitsu works, that requires effort, that requires sacrifices, that requires a lot of time. 
And that is what's complex. So the jiu-jitsu itself, it's, it's not complex. It's what we need to do to learn jiu-jitsu is showing up every single day, Show, you know, coming in and putting time in, getting smashed. That sucks. Dealing with the consequence of getting smashed, that is complex, right? So for individuals who hit, you know, the, the what do they call it, plateau, you know, or, yeah. or, 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 you know, I flatlined, you know, I've been in the same spot for six months, you know, and, and I think I'm pretty confident that most of the instructor will tell you that you are not flatlining, you are not plateauing. Okay, it is plateau, I think is a, it's a very mind oriented vision in our minds of where we want to be versus where we are. What, let me rephrase where we want to be in a perception of where we are. And that is very difficult to maneuver within these points. I think if you are consistent, and something what we talked about earlier, you know, it's not how many times you come, but how consistent you are. If you are consistent in training, if you put effort into education, and that is a big word, it's not showing up to the class, chit-chatting with your buddies, you know, having a couple of jokes and bearing bolo for five minutes, it's actually putting education into play, understanding how jiu-jitsu works, understanding how this Baron Bolo works, and that's fine. There's nothing wrong with Baron Bolo, but understand how it works. You know, that is education. If you do that consistently, you're not plateauing. You're not. But setting unreasonable expectations of yourself is number one reason why people quit, in my opinion. You know, it's not that, you know, I'm getting smashed. You're going to get smashed until you're a black belt. And you're going to get your black belt, you're going to smash even twice more because nobody will care. I mean, that... That, that, that's the reality. You know, you're going to get smashed all the time. But the point is, how are you addressing these situations? How are you, how are you continue educating yourself? You know, how are you continue growing? That is the big question. Now, if you introduce things like having a new instructor every so often and a new leadership in a class, which, you know, we all people, instructors are people too. No, we are not Superman. We're not Spider-Man. We have feelings too. You know, <laughs> it is what it is. But it, it introduces a new dynamic, new culture. Things change a little bit. You got to give these guys, these instructors, a chance too. You know, they they want to evaluate the situation. They want to see... You know, are you really the where where you should be? Because maybe you should be up, or maybe we need to work on to get you where you are. You know that rank. You know, and a good instructor will do that, and a good instructor will communicate that. A good instructor is going to be very transparent about their intentions. You know, um, some of the things that I do uh, with 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 my students is anytime you get a four stripes on anything. Um, you know, or you get close, forget about the stripes for a moment. Maybe you get close to the promotion. Like, I feel that you're right there. You're, you're at the breach. You're right there. You, you're about to hop over to the new color. The lavender is coming. <laughs> that chocolate is right around the corner. You know, it, this, is, this is where a conversation would be taking place. Not that you're getting about. It's like, this is what I expect of that belt. Are you ready? Are you where you think that you need to be to receive that? Because I think a belt is a very heavy responsibility, regardless of the color. 
there is a responsibility behind it. I think students should take accountability for what their action and what they do. You know, and darker the belt gets, more responsibility, more skill, more more accountability for their action and so on. But I think these conversations should be taking place. This should be more transparent. And they still don't know when they're going to get it. It's still a surprise. It's still emotional. But the point is that they are mentally ready for the, 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 the steps that are necessary to achieve those goals. So I know, again, I didn't answer your question. I know, I know, I know, I know. No, that's good. And uh, our professor now, I mean, he, he's been clear, you know, if whatever he, he told everyone, regardless of what color your belt is now, you know, if he doesn't feel like, you know, you're at that level, you're just going to stay at that level until you mm-hmm. meet the expectation, you know, and I think that's fine. And that's, that's fair. Yeah. And I think that should yep. be communicated back to the students. And, 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 and listen, we, as instructors, we have, di- we have different expectations too. And that's important to understand. And that's what I mean. We are humans, you know, it, it you know, our perception, you know, of students is a certain way. And if a new person comes in from a different environment with a different skill set, with a different goal, their expectations are going to be very different of the same students. So communicating that to those students is important. You know, hey, Johnny, listen, I, I know this is what you have, but I really want you to be successful at this. Let's let's sit down. Let me give you some homework. Let, why don't you watch these videos? Work on this. Narrow the focus. Okay? Maybe flying triangles are just not the thing that we should be focusing on. <laughs> why don't we focus on the cross choke? You know, like, you know, or maybe, hey, listen, you want to compete 10 times next year? Or you want to go to Worlds next year? Well, that means that you need to compete X amount of times to get ready for Worlds. You know, it, these conversations have to be, take place. It needs to be transparent both ways. It's not one street. It's not one way street. It's not students performs and gets rewarded. No, I, 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 I'm a strong believer of instructors playing an active role in a student's success. Now, don't take me wrong. Students is doing all the work. But the instructor plays a significant role in their success. So to kind of go to belt promotions kind of thing too, this kind of goes hand in hand. I was reading Roy Dean's book, Becoming the Black Belt. Mm -hmm. And one thing that he mentions is he, back in the day when you got your blue belt from someone, then it was kind of a a thing to switch academies. Um, What, the question is, is how do you view loyalty in your students? Do you do you understand that, yes, it is transactional, right? They're paying you for a service, but also you're passing knowledge on. And, you know, there's still that e- that connection of like, hey, like I'm I'm teaching you. You are my student. Mm-hmm. Like where where do you draw the line or is that line gray? Is it is it blurry? Like do you, how do you navigate that? Yeah, it's definitely that's one of the um one of one of the big topics on today's jiu-jitsu, right? The loyalty and traders and and how do you treat the clients and you know don't talk to these guys because they are from different team. And I can definitely see the benefits of having some of these strong rules. I can see some how some people might view it that way. But end of the way, end of the day, you know, why why do we do this? We do this to learn jujitsu. You know, we do this to have fun. We do this to um, create relationships. And we do this to explore this beautiful art that has having, 
is having a huge, tremendous impact on our life on and off the mat, right? So we have to acknowledge the fact the academy might not be the ideal person, ideal place for that person. And we have to acknowledge the fact that people have a choice. Okay, it's it's in a way, you know, saying that somebody cannot go train somewhere else. It might be similar to saying, well, you can't drink Dunkin' Donuts. You only can drink Starbucks because you bought it yesterday. <laughs> I mean, you know, and this is where we're getting into this transactional part of jujitsu, right? So at one point or at, at, at one side, I do see how some might say, well, don't train with these guys because we compete with these guys all the time and they are our rivalry in a way. And I can see that. You know, but at the same time, you know, if somebody is paying a bill to your academy, do you, can you really force them not to go somewhere else? Because ultimately, what are you going to do? You're going to kick them out and then they are not paying you, which what you were seeking for them to do anyway. So it is a very catch-22 in a way situation for some of the business owners. I think a lot of it comes down to a confidence and insecurities in the business owners and in the instructors. Because in my mind, at least, if I do, I do a good job as an instructor, if I provide a safe and, 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 and clean and healthy environment for people to explore jiu-jitsu, why would they go try and some, train somewhere else? And if they do go train somewhere else, it's going to be a temporary and I personally encourage students go go and go go and train go go and train and bring something back teach me something teach me something whatever they do te- bring it here because I want to get better and I consider myself as a student of of the art so I want to get better I want to continue progressing now I can see if somebody would come in from different academy and say hey listen we got we we got we got better times our open training is three minutes longer and you get one more extra round <laughs> you know. I can get I, I can see that as being a conflict of interest from a business perspective, recruiting other students. But I got plenty of friends who are not part of the same team. I got plenty of friends who literally, you know, in, in some circumstances might see as a conflict and they train together because it's it's it, it, in my mind, it's we are beyond that. You know, I think I think a lot of this is sort sourcing from Brazil where there were a handful of teams and the rivalry between the teams was extremely strong, you know, and that converted to United States because the instructors came here. But the culture in here in the United States is slightly different. You know, we are very market-driven. We are very client-driven, and it is a business. And if you look at it from that perspective, I think it's difficult to ask somebody not to go train somewhere else if they can simply cancel and go train there anyway. So <laughs> I, I don't know. I'm I, laughing at I find I'm it. I'm laughing when you said times. Times are a big deal. Times are like, like, man, is there somebody that has a class at like three o'clock versus six o'clock? You know, that's a, that's a big thing. Listen, now. I, I'll t- aside, jokes aside, but I'll tell you a schedule is the number <laughs> one conflict. For yeah. Every yeah absolutely. Academy, for every jujitsu academy. You know, um, it, it happens all the time where, you know, my staff tells me, my general manager tells me, is like, oh, listen, we, you know, this guy, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, he he would come if there was a 
you know, 4.30 a.m. class. And I was like, I'm not getting up at freaking 4.30 to teach I'm sorry, but I, you know. So it, it, and this is, I think, what's important for students, for somebody who is seeking an academy or doing research on an academy. This is something that is extremely important to identify. What is their schedule? That should be number one. Number one. Because if the schedule doesn't work, it doesn't matter how amazing the, the, the instructor is, right? So, and two would be the culture, would be the culture, would be how are these guys, you know, are they going to hurt me because I have to get up and I have to go, I'm a doctor and I have to go to the hospital next morning or are they going to, you know, like th- those are two big components, schedule and the culture. Once you get over those two obstacles or those two questions, you know, then you can get, start getting into the secondary things. You know, how are the instructions? You know, how many classes are there? How many, or how many people are in the class? You know, what programs do they have? You know, do they have judo? Do they have striking? Do they have a ground and pound? Whatever, whatever, whatever interests you, you know, what they offer. But those first two is always schedule and the culture within the academy. Yeah, it, and I definitely, you kind of you alluded to it. I definitely feel like it's, uh, from like social media and post and like watching videos on professor YouTube, you know, it definitely feels like it is the older generation that feels, you know, it's, it's, it, it should be a certain way, you know what I mean? With loyalty and whatnot. Um, but like you, you mentioned you growing up in under Carlson Grayson junior or senior, um, and then etiquette being a certain way, right. Cause he was like, you mentioned like, it doesn't get much like fresher, of jujitsu, mm-hmm. right? Like he was like right there at the infancy. So, uh, I what what are some etiquettes that you still uphold? Like for me, I tie my belt. I turn my back to the instructor when I tie my belt. You know, bowing on and off the mat. Uh, we stand in a line and then shake each other's hands in a line after after uh, after right. class. What what are some etiquettes that you still hold to to this day? And what are some that you you might not fall into line with the culture of jiu-jitsu that you kind of just go your own way like oh, i kind of want to do this with with my academy yeah and, and the, the, i think that's a lot of that goes into that quote-unquote culture of the academy right what do you do what some of those those historical things that you continue passing on and and how do you evolve while the jiu-jitsu continues evolving around us right so you know it, it, we don't do all of them we don't, and some of them have been removed by choice. Some of them have kind of disappeared, if you will, you know, over time, you know. But we do, we do line up. We we do line up. We do bow in at beginning and end of the class. I find that as as not necessary. I think as a sign of respect, but it's more of a reminder how um, the history of the martial art. This is not an activity. Is an academy. I treat my 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 academy as academy. It's not a gym. It's not a place to hang out. It's an academy, you know. And 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 bowing in, bowing out is one of those signs of 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 keeping it that way. Um, it only happens in martial arts, you know. You it doesn't happen in wrestling. And now many consider wrestling not being a martial arts, more of a sport. 
So, and I, I'll let other, never mind, forget, I shouldn't have gone because now I just, I just <laughs> you just lost all the wrestlers who are listening. Okay? So, They're like, all right, we're going to go to the next podcast. They are gone. <laughs> They're not going to go back. But anyway, you know what I mean by that, you know, and, you know, obviously having clean uniforms, having a respect for your belt. I mean, th- those are huge for me. You know, and and sometimes, you know, you find yourself somebody tosses the belt or whatever, you know, like, you know, these are as little signs of being respectful towards the art, you know, and then being respectful towards your training partner, shaking hands. I'm huge on knowing everybody's name. Like, I'm huge on that. Everybody, if you if I roll with you, I need to know your name. How, how can I roll with you without knowing your name? That, that, that's ridiculous. Like, it, it, that's not even in my comprehension point, you know, so. Um, let alone being an instructor and not knowing your name, you know. So some of these points are important. You know, we are. I'm very traditional about promotions. You know, I, I, you know, I think a lot of instructors out there today, you know, disregard the stripes. I think they're huge. I mean, they're a huge motivational yeah. factor. I think they're a huge reward factor. The stupid piece of tape brings smile to people's faces. You know, it it, it does. <laughs> And they're like, oh, dude. And then there's follows like 25 Instagram photos. Look, I got that picture. You know? It's yeah, like, that's right. Hey, that first stripe on your white belt is like a limitation. Oh. You know what I mean? Like, like I'm not a fresh white belt, bro. I got a stripe. I know. All right? That means I know something. I know. I know. Yeah. yeah it's like, wait, when I get to the blue belt, I'm going to know everything. <laughs> everything. You know? <laughs> then they get that and they're like, I'm good. I'm good. Yeah, we're good now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then, then, then they watch a bunch of YouTube and then get blue belt. They quit because that's what we do. That That's right. That's right. <laughs> So to kind of tie into to, into making fun of blue belts, right? Because we're both blue belts, uh, and so it's it's an easy target for us. But um, one one thing that really we think about quite a bit are blue belt blues, right? Like people get very discouraged, right? Because you get your blue belt usually it's you know the fastest belt that you'll get, right? Because it's a uh, it's like the, hey you you understand the basics, hey you can defend yourself smartly against an attacker. Uh, you know, you 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 tap white belts, or you can play with them, or you can you know kind of show efficiency in the in the martial art a little bit. Uh, but then to get to purple is something completely different, right? Mm-hmm. So, what how 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 do you get people to fight blue belt blues? Kind of like we we were talking about earlier with the white belt, but blue belt blues are probably definitely more of a common thing for for people nowadays. Yeah, I I think blue belt is one of the most difficult belts for many individuals out there. Um, and, and there's several components to it, but the, the most obvious one is that the, the blue belt is the first major milestone. It's the first thing. Those stripes become irrelevant because the color of the belt changes. And I often describe it in a way where you have a, think of a seminar or of a large class you know, 50, 70 people, whatever it is, is a large group. And they all white belts. And one blue belt comes in. Do they care about the white belt with four stripes? Nope. Nope. That dude almost coming from that the head. same amount of time. It doesn't matter. Because he's not blue. I mean, that's the, that's the reality, right? There is the first major milestone. And we have a sense of satisfaction. And you should. You should celebrate that moment. You should be proud of it. But the point is, 
That's the first milestone, not the last one. The work that's ahead of you, the expectations that are ahead of you, just magnified. And it is hard. And then it doesn't help the fact that blue belt often is considered one of the longest belts in jiu-jitsu. Yeah. You know, to get to the purple belt, people spend two, three, sometimes even four years to get purple belt. And that's hard because you just came out of this, yeah, now I got blue belt. I know everything. Now I can tap everybody to this, <laughs> damn it, where's that purple belt coming, you know? And, and it's, you know, I, I think, you know, one see this as challenge of jiu-jitsu. You know, there's many conversations saying there should be more belts to create more consistent progression. You know, I've heard those conversations. But at the same time, I do think that that is really the beauty about it. That's the beauty of it, is the fact that you get that belt after a year or two, whatever your instructor feels like, and you get that blue belt and you achieve that goal and it's a milestone, but it's also the reminder that hard work is ahead of you. And it, it's, you, you honestly, this is like the, you are, you, you good now to really get smashed because nobody's going to feel bad for you. You know, that's right. That's what I was thinking when you said it. I was like, no, I, I honestly feel like when you put on the blue belt, like now you're everyone's target. Oh, yeah. Like, absolutely. The white belts are hungry to, to submit you because they want that. They want to they want to submit the blue belt. Mm-hmm. And then the upper belts like, oh, you finally got that blue. Now I can put it on you. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> nobody feels bad for you anymore. No, you, no uh-uh, you, not at all. You be, listen, I often describe this as a shark tank. OK, just white belt has a cage <laughs> around them. A blue belt does not. OK, that's yeah. the difference. Yeah. That's the difference. That's a good way to look at mm-hmm. it. It's so funny that because I saw an Instagram post the other day and it was all like, uh, you know, like Undertaker standing behind uh, whatever the wrestler is. And it was all like all I the sh- other belts and that. blue belts. <laughs> and it was all like when, <laughs> when you get promoted and you realize those were fake taps. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's, it's true, though. It's like when, when I go to a seminar or something like that, uh, you know, a lot of white belts are, are sponges. They want to they want to take in as much as possible. Mm-hmm. And a lot of seminars are, you know, a majority white belt. You know, they there's the blues and purples and everything like that but a lot of a lot of white belts and when you put that blue belt on your waist at a seminar people are like i'm gonna tap that guy oh yeah you know <laughs> oh, yeah. you just so, became a target and, uh, it, yeah right an interesting con- uh topic that i've i've noticed a lot in the jiu-jitsu community too is uh what are are belts bad for the sport you know what i mean like yeah. do people fixate on belts so much that it's bad for the martial art yeah. like what is your take on that well listen it, it's it's difficult not to fixate on them the the way how it's been built the way how it's being presented right now it is difficult not to fixate i mean that's the bottom line okay we are humans and we receive the information how it's presented right so um it, it is hard to not to want the next belt because everything is targeted towards that Right. If if we stop, like, think about it this way: Do belts matter in no gi? Nope. No. It's still jujitsu. Why doesn't it matter? Why nobody cares? Because you don't know. Exactly. That's my point. So, it, but in a gi, it's part of our uniform, right? So the the point I think was really important for a lot of the students to remember, to keep in mind, for all of us to keep in mind, is that belt is not a target is a representation of our work. And if we look at it in that, from that perspective, everything changes because we no longer chase the belt. The belt is irrelevant. 
You know, and if I think about it in that per, in, in that way, now I understand why in the beginning everybody told me you're never going to be a black belt because it doesn't matter. It really doesn't. You know, I don't. I, I think Hickson said it. You know, belt takes two inches around your ass. Why would you care? You know, it, it's it, it. Why does it really matter? But yet, it is so important, and we find ourselves in this this predicament of chasing the belts having this huge satisfaction when we get it, but yet they're really not relevant, you know? So, you know, for most of the time, you know, when I have these conversations with my students or students around the whatever, you know, contacting me and talking talking to me about it, I often say is, you know, focus on your journey. And I know that's easier said than done when everybody around you is flashing the, oh, I just got a blue belt, look at that, I just got a blue belt, you know, it, it's hard. But sooner you acknowledge the fact of blue, the belt, whichever color it is, it is a representation of your work versus a goal that you should be aiming for, easier is going to be for you to actually do the work. You know, and hopefully you guys will have that opportunity to see that or experience that in the upcoming years. Once the purple and brown and blacks, you know, gets tied around your waist and you'll see that, you know, darker it gets, less you care. Like really less you care, you know, like one day you're going to get your black belts around and, and then you're like, I remember this Thomas, we had him on a podcast. He said, we won't care. And Damn, he was right. <laughs> he was right. <laughs> John John says blue belt's the pinnacle. He's Look, like he's. Good. I've honestly like, come to the conclusion, and you're talking about it, that it's really not the belt. You know, uh, like it doesn't matter if they have the skill set. They have the skill set. You can get tapped by anyone. Like I mean, it's true. Like if they got it, they got it. I got a friend that is Rob Can. Yeah, he's been no gi for years, for years. No gi, no gi competes. He he's a team out of Washington, so he's he finally is like, you know what? I'm gonna try a gi on. He puts a gi on, joins a local gym out here in Tacoma, cleans house, goes in, upper belts, doesn't matter. First time he's in a gi. I think he got his blue belt in, what, a month, month and a half. Yeah, like, super quick. Listen, from gi to blue belt, you know, like, it doesn't well, matter. So that, they, it, that's a local example. But look at a, more, a little bit more national example, like Travis Stevens. He, he Olympic, Olympic medalist, phenomenal judoka. He goes to John Denehar. And he gets his black belt in a few months. Yeah. yeah. I mean, talk about controversial decision. But yes, are you, <laughs> yeah, right. are you able to hold back a guy who has so much experience, so much right. knowledge, and he's nothing but walking encyclopedia? So, it, you know, it, 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 it's again, it's not a goal for most of us or shouldn't be for any of us. It is is the um, a reward or a reflection of the hard work that we do, you know. And some of us have more work that we've done in the past, like other martial arts or other sports or or other you know activities. Some of us, honestly, you know what? Some of us are dumber than the others. I'm dumb as a freaking box of nails. Like I need to. I'm just saying, like, I'm not that 100% John. 100% me. 100%. I love the fact that. I'm like, you gotta do what? How many steps? 
I love the fact that one of you put your hand up, but the other one was like, I mean, we're all friends here. Let's be real. Right? Yeah, I, I got no shame in my game. But listen, you know, some of us are smarter than others. That's the bottom line. That's why on the beginning of this conversation, I was, I was saying that jujitsu, I see jujitsu more mentally stimulating than physically. You know, I've had professional runners. I mean, professional runners, the people who run for a living come to the Jiu-Jitsu Academy and they couldn't hang for five minutes. I had bodybuilders who can freaking toss me across the room airborne. And thankfully we have padded walls and they can't <laughs> hang. You know, I have CrossFit guys who are extremely dynamic, extremely powerful, and they can, I know, I know, do that again. Are you good? That, is that video going to be released too? If so, you need to see this. Uh, but, you know, it, it is a skill of troubleshooting is a skill of mapping things out, is a skill of reacting at a special, specific time with a specific action based on the circumstances we find ourselves in. So the power is a component of it, but it's not all of it. And that is important to, uh, to really keep in mind as we go through this, as we explore this, as, as we challenge ourselves, you know? So if... I feel like we haven't asked like real complex questions for you today, which is like not like I feel kind of bad because we're like wasting you your, your knowledge. Yeah, good one. I think, yeah, no, I think you guys need like uh, a separate bottle of, of whatever you guys yeah. are drinking. <laughs> <laughs> <For that. laughs> but we, we really try to like build this podcast around. We tell everyone we really try to build this podcast around for the beginner practitioner or yeah. someone that's fresh and, you know, into it just a few years in because that's that's our journey right now. Maybe when we get further down the line, we could start asking like, what's your theory of space and like how you should take it and whatnot. But one thing we always try to ask is what is your one advice for a brand new white belt, right? That person that's walking in and you could just put one nugget in their head for them to keep on the entire time through their jujitsu journey what would it be ask yourself why that's all ask yourself why why things work the way you do why you moving the way you do why did your instructor ask you to do this don't memorize the steps steps are useless if you don't understand why because your interpretation of the steps that your instructor tells you could be completely different but the moment you comprehend why you need to do things the way you need to do them. Now you can create your own steps, your own circumstances, your own situations. You can troubleshoot on your own. The jujitsu is not cookie cutter, but at the same time could be plug and play in a several different situations. And that's really important to, to keep in mind. So understanding why we do things the way we do, it's literally mind-blowing how quickly you can make yourself successful. Well, that's great. Yeah, I, I don't think anyone's ever said have a have a why, and like maybe they've kind of put it in that way, but not not in. I don't know. I feel like a lot of your answers today have been remaking me think on my jujitsu journey to tell you the well, truth. Hopefully, they've been great well, hopefully answers, you're not man. Quit. Yeah, yeah, right. I'm going to actually just go turn my blue belt over. Again. <laughs> <Let him quit. laughs> so, hey, but Thomas, thank you so much for uh, coming on the show today. It's greatly appreciated. This was a blast. I had so much fun. Your answers, even though you feel like you rambled, uh, I love when guests give long-winded answers or really go into detail, go into the weeds, because it uh, the people at home want answers like that, right? They want the nuances of, of things and, and how they can perform better and how they can go further in their journey. So we greatly appreciate it, man. Thank you so much for giving us your time. John, you got any more questions? Yeah, I want to know what your what your drink is. 
Oh yeah, yeah. Drink of the day. Was, What's your drink of I the day? I was drinking um, some whiskey. I had, I, it's empty. Now. Oh, is that gone already? Yeah. What kind do you have there? I, I, we have peanut butter on our end. I, I had, I had VO Canadian VO. And it's a whiskey. Yeah. You got you got the bottle close to you. No. <laughs> oh, hands <laughs> why it's empty. <laughs> <laughs> well, Thomas, thank you so much for your time today, man. It, it like I said, is greatly appreciated. This was a blast. Uh, my face hurts from smiling and laughing so much. Uh, um, but hey, guys at home, thank you guys for listening so much. If you guys want to follow Thomas, wh- wh- where can they find you at? You know, Instagram is probably the best way. Um, is the easiest way to find me. I'm everywhere, but Instagram is the easiest. Is my last name Rozdinsky BJJ. Um, I know spelling it's terrible, so just look R O Z, and you're gonna probably is gonna come up. It does, and I'll have all I'll have the links to everything. His YouTube page is everything like that. You want to shout out your? I know you have a podcast as well. Which which your podcast? Yeah, I mean, if you guys want to, you know, venture into a little bit more journey like approach to jujitsu, yeah, um, the Road Radio is my podcast. We have tons of huge old schoolers on there. Um, we talk to them about philosophy, more of a philosophy, jujitsu, their journey, and so on. So, if you if you're interested in that approach, I encourage you to check it out. There's 70 plus episodes at this point, um, and a lot of cool stuff that we talk about, and and it's fun. I make fun of my co-host Gary, and which shout out to Gary. Yeah, yeah, Gary's Gary. You listen, yeah, guys, you know uh, what I'm talking about. <laughs> he does. Hey guys, uh, so. And like I said, everything's going to be down in the description below, the YouTube page below us. So if you want to follow him on any other social medias, look at his YouTube page and listen to his podcast. It'll all be down below. So, But without further ado, thank you so much once again. And remember, no oil checks here. No oil checks here, guys. You have a good night. Thanks.